The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds, of course, is brought to you by our good friends, our Dark Lord Overseers, our, well, Shadow Organization, um, or just, you know, brought to you by the Chair Shot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And folks, it is January. It is January. It is that time of year. Funny, funny little bit of reminder on my good friend Facebook memories that one year ago, two days ago, the first of what has now become known as Project Season happened. As the 80s project was the first project, and that anniversary was just a couple days ago. And that's right, we're, we are in project season. For those of you who are a part of the uninitiated, that means that a bandwagon, a full bandwagon, this is always a popular show to get nerds for. Like the nerds show up, and we have all of them here for the project season. And this time around, we've done movies. For every decade from the 70s to the first decade of the 2000s, we are running it back. Running it back, fellas. We are doing the project. We're doing that 70s project because Dave wanted to, David Ungar wants to, you know, infringe upon copyrights. We are doing that 70s project. Used to be known as the 70s project, television edition. And friends, 
So this isn't a list about shows that took place in the 70s. It's a list about shows that aired in the 70s. Yes. Um, we we have a problem if you did shows that take place in the in the 70s. Damn it, Tony. So, so for those who don't know, those who don't know, the, the title of this podcast phone call is called "The Patrick Gets Frustrated on Bandwagon Nerds Call." <laughs> and I feel like uh, this could be this could be a running theme for five weeks. Two and a half we'll minutes. See. I we'll won. See. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes. <laughs> David on guard right. All right. Let's let's go through real quick because we do have a full full band. We have five nerds today on the bandwagon. Myself, of course, the curmudgeon, the number one chair shot villain, which I don't put that out there enough and really should talk about that. I am the number one chair shot villain. Patrick O'Dowd. I'm going to start by rewarding the nerd with good behavior by having him be welcomed first, and that being the Reverend Ray Cash. Ray Cash, thank you for being so well-behaved today. You're very welcome. I know I'm going to get booed later, so I might as well be good now. And so, you know, it's a wise decision. I feel like I'm going to wear out the soundbite today. We'll uh, we'll work our way. This is so strange because uh, I, I I don't have a nice neat clock clockwise rotation with the with the fifth bandwagoner. So we're going to go with the man who on my screen is the oddball box up in the upper right hand corner, Mister Saturday Night himself, PC Tunney. Welcome to the '70s Project Television Edition. I'm ready. I can't wait. All right, awesome to hear. Uh, let's see. He's pissed me off. The least, the most, the least, I don't know. It's kind of a tie between the two of you. I, if I could introduce you both at the same time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll go We'll go with um, the brightly colored, or is that, are those orange slices on the shirt there? Grapefruit. Grapefruit. Yeah, it's it's more pink, but the, you know, camera adds 10 pounds and 10 shades of color. It'd be cool if you could squirt someone in the eye with like one of those with grapefruit juice. You ever get grapefruit juice in your eye? It hurts. Crazing. No. Okay. Oh, wait, was it to me? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was Hi, like, hello, I'm welcome this. to the program. I'm I'm the young buck here. I was born in the nineties. And yet I think I know oh, these uh I know most of these shows probably better than I don't know, some eighties babies. Maybe, sure. I don't know. I think the guy who we're going to introduce last the child of the seventies might have one up on you. I'm just saying. Well, I said eighties babies. I said eighties. That's fair. I'm a seventies baby. Throwing it out there for like two years. So anyway, the lawyer himself, the man who actually lived the seventies, Mr. David Ungar. Sixties baby. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Baby. I, I'm, I'm ready for this. This That's is going to be, <laughs> This is going to be a, 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 yeah, the LSD didn't have, as Aesop would say, cocaine is a hell of a drug, but I'm ready for the 70s project, talking TV shows. It's going to be interesting. Right. And we're, we're going to cut through all the bullshit and just get right to this uh, and, and talk about the project itself. The way this show is going to work today, everyone, the way these project shows work is we basically we categorize the decade uh, in entertainment. We did this for movies. We we had categories of movies, and we give our top ten uh, within each category. And to be to to say that there wasn't some internal discussion amongst the bandwagoners about the categories 
Um, I think I'll, I'll say it that way. Uh, there's some passions. Here's what I love about the Project Series. And I, I say this with all my heart. I know you guys love these shows. And the reason I know you guys love these shows is because you fight me. When I'm like, <laughs> I say I want to do this. And you're like, no, fuck you, Pat. <laughs> just for the record to, to to as a i'm a dave i'm gonna represent the, the the four of us today and and not in a bad way i just want everybody to know for the record these are written dm'd texted messages not involving right. the word fuck whatsoever but i firmly believe patrick reads them as such in his mind so early in the morning <laughs> I, not all of them i just think that you you don't say what you what you want our, to say. I'll yeah, say. our messages are insanely passive aggressive at times. <laughs> Very much so. That's even what <laughs> fuck put in there. Here, here, here's 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 Patrick O'Dowd's favorite response. It's fine. Just you know, it's fine. Like it's fine. Here's here's the thing is honest to God, if I let us categorize and have as many categories as we want on this project. We'd be doing this into March. And, and guys, Greg Greg loves us. I know he does. And I'm sure the content would be quality. He, he'd cancel the show. He'd be like, you're out. You're done. You're out. I right. just asked for cartoons, damn it. That's all I asked for. And you will have an entire show where you get to list 10 cartoons under the family category, which I know is an injustice to animation as a supporter of animation and a supporter of various other mediums of entertainment. I understand where you're going, but what we did decide to do with categories, and these are the weeks of the seventies project television that we are going to do. The first one is a great category of basically everything that doesn't fit into a category titled variety slash miscellaneous slash however you want to name it. I yeah. love that it makes Dave got the, uh, Dave got Dave the first worked word. so hard. Aesop, oh, yeah. his brain like his eyes rolled. It was like he he had some bad juju. Ray still just smiling and nodding because the seventies were twenty years ago from when. Oh well, no, born. it's too many people to talk. Really, I'm trying. <laughs> that too. Ray's Ray just waiting his turn. Hey, you know, Tony just he just he's sitting back and enjoying the variety it. Thing was not, Ray, we did it. We got variety on the title of this category. We did it, Ray. You did. Hey, Congratulations. And, you and did again, it. I, I apologize because this what the miscellaneous variety category was my idea. So <laughs> I apologize in advance for pissing so, you off. So there we go. So we've got variety this week. Next week we are going to cover dramas. The week after that, family, which Aesop has made clear will be 10 animated shows. And that's fine. It's your list followed by action, and then we here at the uh, bandwagon tend to do the most work when it comes to comedy, so we're we're going with comedy last. It seems like it's kind of a running thing for us. Um, who knows? We may, yeah, and here's the thing, like Dave Ungar, he, you know, he, he advocated for, for sci-fi and fantasy, sure. Also, most of those can be fit into a drama or an action show. Uh, maybe even a family show and it just it, it's a lot guys it's a lot and i understand it's at some point as the number one chair shot villain a decision needs to be made yeah i'm not booing myself i'm just not like if tony wants to boo me he can boo me it's fine um but at the end of the day my suggestions are correct and everyone else's suggestions are 
wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. She's getting her feelings hurt. Uh, my feelings aren't hurt. I'm fine. I just that was Aesop, by the way. Yeah, it was. That one wasn't me. As it is. Those are the categories. Those are the next five weeks in front of you. Here's the thing, guys. I got two shows I got to miss during project season. Really? Oh, that sucks. Thank the University of Massachusetts for deciding to open two weeks later than they typically do. Because today would usually be the show I would miss to open the University of Massachusetts. But they went, we need more money. Let's sign people up for a longer winter session. So thanks, UMass. I now have to let the inmates run the asylum for two shows, and I know how that's going to go. And he didn't want to add weeks. The word of the day, kids, is deferral, because we might be deferring those shows. Oh, I'm okay with that. Um, There's a ton of other stuff that's going on around in the nerdosphere right now. By the way, The Last of Us, which this is Monday. The Last of Us premieres tonight. I've heard good things about that show. I I almost feel like there needs to be a supplemental BWN episode somewhere because there was a lot of good trailers that dropped this week. Uh, some some like I would spend a half an hour talking to Aesop about why about why I'm okay with the history of the World Part Two show on uh, Hulu. And I know Dave's really nervous, but the trailer is well worth it. Go and check it out if for no other reason than the woman taking notes while listening to a bunch of white guys talk about writing the Bible. And she's like, so wait a minute, you want me to make Jesus white? And I think it's uh, Nick Kroll is like, no, that's not what I want you to say at all. It is pr- it's fucking priceless. It's great. Check it out. But we're not going to do any of that. Movie. I'm sorry, what was that? Miniseries, not a movie. Already straight. Miniseries, yeah. Four, it's a four-part miniseries. It's a long, like It's, it's going to be a long movie. It. In in doses, you'll be it's okay. Like the, it's like the Zack Snyder cut. Oh. <laughs> we are going so. There's well. two. There's two. All right. On that note, I'm going to take a commercial break. Is that that one actually did twist my uh, twist my knickers a little bit, and uh, we'll. Uh, Snyder cut, you piece of shit. Um, and when we come back, we are going to start that 70s project with our miscellaneous television programs from the 70s. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back, noble listeners, to Bandwagon Nerds 
here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com, where we are kicking off project season with that 70s, that 70s project, as it will sound on your intros, which I guess now is the time to, to I guess, compliment Aesop for making our, our, our little intro that, that played us in. So look at you playing that 70s show music within interspersed 70 sounds like a mixing of the decades i appreciate you you're welcome backhanded compliment that it was um all right so for those of you who've never done a project before here's how this works we have a category we have each spent time with that category putting together our top 10 list of shows television programs from the 70s based on that category, which in this case is variety slash miscellaneous. And there will be some sort of variation of this, I think, in future decades, because there's so much out there, so many different types of shows and genres and things that you can do that you just, uh, we can't fit it all into a particular category. And so this is kind of like, for us, like kind of a best of, of, of what's left in our worlds from these decades. And so like, I don't know about you guys. My list is a hodgepodge and, and like a complete hodgepodge. And I'm okay with that. So I'm just going to do a quick once around with the room. How hard was, was making this particular list? And let's start with the child of the 70 or the, the child who grew up during the seventies, David Ungar. Cause he, he typed about it a lot in our DMs today. Uh, yeah, it started off kind of hard just because trying to like get your mind wrapped around what, what falls into this category? Um, the more I thought about it and realized just how broad of a of a paintbrush I could use for this, it got a little bit easier. And by the time it ended, I felt pretty good about um, you know about about where my list was. It it, it it was fun. I mean, it brought me back down memory road. So um, why are we randomizing? Oh, I get it. You're going to randomize the order. Um, so that that was my thought. Most of most of my stuff is like everything on here has got some personal connection for me. So that's kind of how. Yeah, I did. I grew up in this. Is, this is my childhood here. Excellent. Well, and I'm I'm looking forward to revisiting it. PC Tony, I'm going to go to you next. How did you have? How much fun did you have making this particular? Um, <clears throat> you know, I follow a very basic routine of looking at the list of every television show from the 1970s and and literally in my mind going that's not what i'm looking for today that's a mental note for later um and then just writing things down that could possibly make the top 10 i don't think i had even 20 different things that i had in mind for this because i i had a few things in mind so this was pretty easy for me um yeah and i can't wait to talk about it i will say that my list will definitely not be without controversy like there are definitely selections on this list that people will probably be like, that could have been on this other list. And the reason why is because they wouldn't have made that other list, but there were shows I wanted to talk about. So that's, you know, I you know, that's kind of where I went. Part of that, maybe a little bit of that came in, but for me more so it was what is outside of the box of those other four. Cause those other four are sure. pretty relatively straightforward here. And now here you could choose anything you you know, you want as long as you give it a little justification. So my way, your way, the highway, the byway, the passway, I don't know. It's all good in the hood. Aesop, you and your grapefruits. Uh I, I wouldn't say this was 
particularly difficult. Um, I, I will say, like, my experience of the 70s is first and foremost of reruns. Uh, so, you know, I got a lot of the best things, right? You know, at that point, you got almost 15, 20 years of syndication with these, uh, you know, various shows. So, you know, they're good. Um, so then I had to do uh, some deep diving, you know, in my later years. So uh, some of the things that I have on this list are definitely controversial. I feel I feel like I just have a list made to talk about in a negative way. So I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. I, I I promise you that I have something on this list that is probably someone's number one in a, on a different week. And that's I, that's plausible. And that's okay. Because here's the... And Ray, you get to go last as the person who didn't experience any of this live, much like Aesop. Um, you just said you watched it all in syndication, dude. Like, you and I are about to... <laughs> no, I was, I was saying, like, you, there was a nice pause there where the didn't experience it live so you know you're a zygo what ray well um you guys know that I, a big but a big part of my growing up was with my grandparents so the the hardest thing for me was having to remember did i know this stuff and yeah it's pretty unequivocally that overwhelmingly 95 percent of all the shows i've picked for all five weeks not only do i know but i've watched ad nauseum um so then it was uh I always kind of have the issue of am I going to put shows that matter to me more uh, than shows that I know matter to other people? And I try to bridge that gap. So, I, but it wasn't hard once I, once I figured out, I actually knew what the hell I was watching. Excellent. 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 So reminders to everyone as to how this works. We are going to very, very shortly do a randomizer of everybody to to determine draft order or pick order it's not really a draft like anything like that uh, if when somebody makes the selection it is higher on someone else's list we will see in the call with a raised hand that we uh that it's higher on someone else's list we pause until we get to that point on the list we do this rotisserie style so whoever gets number one Picks, we go one through five, and then whoever picked or announced fifth on uh, the first one, they then will go and do the next number. Inevitably, at some point, I am going to lose track of our whose turn it is. That is part of the drinking game on Bandwagon Nerds. Take a drink when I lose track. Um, and last but not least, this is why I disagree, Aesop, that there's going to be controversy. This is we, we talk about this all the time. It's our list. So this is what we put on a list. And is what we say is tops in this category. And it has happened in other projects where something has appeared on one person's list that was on somebody else's list on a different week. So not uncommon, maybe even a top pick. It's going to be there. And that's okay. With all of that being said, gentlemen, I am going to give you your number. Do not forget your number as I read it off before I share screen and do the randomizer again. I have, you know, because I'm number one, given myself number one. David Ungar, you have the number two. Aesop, you have the number three. Ray, number four. PC Tunny, five. All right, 
sharing screen. As you should all be able to see, number generate, min, max, one through five. Look for your number as I click generate and get the result of that didn't work the way I wanted it to. <laughs> well done, Patrick. Hold on. Let's do this. Sequence generator. Boom. Everybody drink. Pat messed it up. All right. Here we go. One through five. Get sequence. Patrick goes number one, followed by Ray at number two. PC Tunney, number three. David Ungar, number four. And Aesop. This actually might have worked out. Really well for you, Aesop. Get to do the double up uh, on our first yeah. round. I got to write these down. Patrick, Ray, Tony, Dave, Aesop. All right. So congratulations to the sort of winners. However you want to view that. Now, we will do one through five. And then we will uh, take our second commercial break. And then wrap up with the second five. Any questions from the nerds before I kick off that 70s project variety? We're starting at 10, right? We're starting at 10 okay. and we there ended we number one. Oh, and that's the other thing that I want to be clear uh, uh, on this. Um, not the ocean. Oh, I lost it. Uh, oh, there was one other rule that we agreed upon uh, when it came to what qualified as a show for the 70s. For any show that didn't isn't some long-standing, spanning over multiple decades show, it had to have its majority of time airing in the 1970s. The exception to that rule are multi-decade shows that have like sort of endured the test of time that could have had like a pinnacle period in your mind during the 70s. So I know that's going to pop up in this, for me at least. I don't know if it'll pop up for any of you else. <laughs> any of you as well but for me it absolutely did and with that i'm gonna give you my number 10 my number 10 is a big time guilty pleasure and, and i will own that it. it's a guilty pleasure because when we were doing our dm conversation about this we had talked about game shows and where do game shows fit and for the purpose of this show and probably for the 80s game shows are going to fit into this miscellaneous category at least for me and my first one is this? I used to watch the USA Network as a kid all the time. And Aesop talked about shows in syndication. Aesop in the morning, uh, you probably, I don't know if you'll remember this, but uh, in the morning. Aesop in the morning. <laughs> yes, you do. USA, the USA Network used to, after the USA Cartoon Express, where they showed cartoon reruns, would show game show reruns all day into the afternoon. And it was, game shows from the 80s and 70s and 80s uh extensively and there was this one show where the contestants looked like they were playing a quiz show in front of a giant slot machine and they would run the slot machine and it would bring up categories and it was called the joker's wild and that is my first pick for the variety category the joker's wild because it was this over-the-top ridiculous quiz show that was also the first quiz show Put on by, I, I'm going to forget the guy's name, uh, Barry. It, Barry was his last name. But if you've ever seen the movie quiz show, he was the producer of the, the uh, quiz shows that were investigated in the 50s that led to um, led to hearings in Congress 
that would then turn around and get him ostracized from entertainment for years until he quietly resurfaced in 1971 as the producer of The Joker's Wild. show became a hit, has had multiple iterations and reboots and redubs over the years, uh, and is my selection for number 10. And with that, we go to Ray Thank you. Hey man, Joker's Wild was a dope show. I, I'm a game show aficionado. When we first got cable, the only channel I watched for a week and a half straight was the Game Show Network. And it's ironic because I also have a game show for my number 10. And I think it is the perfect encapsulation of that. Oh no! Oh. That's the match. We lost you, Ray. Yeah, I've been going in and out. I'm sorry. What's the last thing you heard? You were about to tell us what your game show was. It's the match game. Um, Nice. Okay. Yeah, you missed, people you missed Aesop yeah. and I saying it's higher on our list, Patrick. So, oh, yeah. I figured. All right. Um, my number 10, I will tell you what it is first. So then we can see if anybody else has it. It's 60 minutes. There you go. David Elgar. Time to piss Patrick O'Dowd off. So here oh. we go. Um, Fourth. Is it a board game? No, it's not a board, <laughs> it's a fucking board game. It's my might, joke, you asshole. It might be based on a Dungeons board. and Dragons. Did you pick Dungeons and Dragons? Is yes. that what you picked? Yes, that's more eighties. Right, but no. So here's the thing: is um, when I was a kid, you know, my mom was a single mother for much of the time. Spent a lot of time, like Ray's talking about, spending time with his grandparents. I spent like my grandmother, who lived to be hundred and one years old, she basically raised us. And I was always at her house and every single day she would watch the same three soap operas, all my children, one life to live general hospital, all in that order. I grew up on this stuff. So for me, my number 10 is the ABC soap operas during that time block. I'm not separating them. See, (laughs) I did it. You know what? You did it. You did it. You did it. You did it. You found a way to fuck up the rules, man. Couldn't pick one, huh? <laughs> if I had to, I'd probably say General Hospital. But because, I mean. Nope, nope. You said what you said, Dave. You live by it, I will, damn it. I will say this about General Hospital. Two years in the, like, the, the wedding of Luke and Laura's 1981, 30 million people turned in for that fucking thing. That's obscene mm-hmm. numbers. But it was all wrapped around a storyline that started in 79 where you couldn't get away with this story nowadays where Luke rapes Laura and then she falls in love with him. That would never in a million years fly by modern standards, but it kind of just started there. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a personal selection for me. So that's just, that's just kind of, eh, sorry, Pat, I knew it would piss you off, but certainly a decision to be made. Yeah. They're kind of, it's, well, it's a personal selection for me too, because, uh, pissed Pat off. So I loved it. You're welcome, Aesop. I'm right. here for well, you. Well, you want to follow that up and see if you can keep the good times rolling? Uh, no, because I think that I think my number 10 is fine. Um, my number 10 is, is a show that only ran for one season, but it has a long history in television, more or less. And it's actually uh, the reason why I picked it is because I ran with the variety idea uh, because this has. The, the show that I'm going to pick is just got so much to it that it, it couldn't be designated into one category. I went with Kolchak, the Night Stalker. And if you haven't. Nice, nice, nice. 
it, a good choice. I would say a lot of people have not seen this show. It's very weird, but very cool. And uh, more or less, it's a detective, uh, uh, Carl Kol- uh, Kolchak, played by uh, Darren McGavin. And he's actually investigating these crimes that have supernatural, uh, like, culprits and, 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 you know, causes. It's really weird. But, like I said, you, you don't necessarily know this show, but you know what came from it. Stuff like the X-Files is a huge, uh, like, was very much influenced by Kolchak the Night Stalker. Uh, so I had to put my number 10 on that one. So, I, I, this, Baywatch Nights. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is, by the way, this is available on Peacock Premium if you ever want to check it out. Shit. I, you can also but, uh, just go on YouTube you, and type in full episodes because it's only one season. Right. You could also rent or buy it on uh, Prime Video. But, uh, yes, I have fond memories of Kolchak the Night Stalker. And it's it's goofy horror. All right, that's your number ten. What is your number nine, sir? Bringing it back, uh, I'm gonna go with one of my first of uh, a couple <laughs> variety esque shows. And you know, this was what you were talking about earlier, Pat, where like you couldn't exactly put it in another category later on. Um, I'm gonna go with the Electric Company at number nine. Good call. Uh, I loved. Right. Loved the electric company. It was very fun. Uh, obviously, an educational program, but like, I can't designate that as a family show because I don't think families are going to get together and watch the electric company. Uh, it just, just a lot of fun that you know. Again, kind of inspired a lot of things going forward. Uh, great music, great culture as well. Uh, so that's going to be my number nine. If I can add on to All something right. that Aesop said. They showed this in school when I was in school in the 70s. The electric company was showed in school. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, good call. They showed it, they showed it in my school in the 90s. So, like, it's it's hey. definitely not too crazy. And he gave us Morgan Freeman as a counting vampire, like, or something like that. Maybe he wasn't a counting vampire because he wasn't the count, but he was definitely a vampire. An accountant and, and vampire. Yeah. The like, f- I don't remember. I just, he was in all, he was on that show all over the place, but I remember him as a vampire at one point. Yeah, the fun in, t- in one of the discussions. The fun times were when they'd show the electric company and then follow that up with red asphalt for the uh, school double feature. That was uh, that was nice, but you guys don't get that anyway. No, Apparently, no, we he don't. Was it- just Count Dracula. Oh, okay. All right, nice. Well, since we since that landed with a thud, Dave, um, why don't you tell us what your number nine is? Because we yes. have no idea what red asphalt is. It's that. Oh, educational sorry. thing with it anyway. You guys don't need it. It's it's actually Vincent the Vegetable Vampire. Ooh. My bad. Oh, my fault. <laughs> I love that a lot more. My uh my number nine is the only game show that I put on my list, and it's the one that resonates with me the most, and that is Family Feud. Yep. Higher on uh, Richard Dawson. Yep. Right? The man kissed right, every single on... girl who was on the show. We'll talk about that later. Right. PC Tunney. All right. My number nine is talking speaking specifically of variety and novelty acts is the gong show uh, anybody I, I no aesop's got it okay all right all right then i'll go save all my save all my sound bites ray cash so 
originally I was going to put laughing, but I thought, you know, I want to put the more important show to me, and that's the Flip Wilson show. Honorable mention there for me. Flip Wilson? So, Flip Wilson show. I, um, my number, Less than my, that, my uh, number nine, my number nine is another game show, uh, another game show that has been repeated and redone and redone and redone and redone hosted by dick clark the ten thousand dollar pyramid was the original though and the best part about that show was watching dumbass people try to figure out what dumbass celebrities were trying to describe to their dumbasses and not get it it's something that's shaped like one of these and it's a square <laughs> and you throw it some people play baseball with it a bat and it was like, what is wrong with you? And you're just like screaming at the television. And they never win $10,000 because it's a bunch of idiots. And I, I feel like they put something in the water that they give them. So they just take a bunch of stupid pills. Loved that show, though. And loved the way the pyramids would like flip around. There's a big pyramid in the background. The the theme show was dope. Loved it. Great uh, call. Password, password on cocaine. That's basically what uh, the That's a very good point. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an idea. It's a hell that... of a drug, right, Aesop? <laughs> it's an idea that turned into a game show that still exists to this day. So it's definitely a winner. The concept immediately the next year, though, it was the $25,000 pyramid. That's Infl- how successful it was. It was only 10,000 for one year. Well, and the they still there uh, for if in case anyone was wondering, they're still there. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I see you're right. All right. My number eight is the first of the variety shows that I have listed on mine, probably considered more comedy if you wanted to argue. It's definitely a comedy one, but there was always music because it's the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour. It's my number you eight as well, were... Pat. Oh, look at that. So we can mark Dave's turn off the list as yeah. well. And we'll just How did cover you pick it now. between all the different iterations of Cher's shows in the 70s? <laughs> I went with the Sonny and Cher yeah, I comedy know. hour, which, I, which just, ran I'm for four just, I'm years. I'm on your pick because I don't like it, but you do you. Well, that's that's <laughs> fine. It's my list and it's my show, and you're just now you're just goading me at this point. I, no, so I was being honest. Boo. No, here's your boo. You got your boo. You got, you got your boo. Reach out. Thank you, beer, and you know, everybody enjoy. Um, you know this was you know it's. There was nothing particularly special about the Sonny and Cher comedy hour other than people believed that that relationship was magical. Um, you got to hear, you know, Cher sing with guests um, or solo every week. Uh, the, the comedy sketches are, are nothing to write home about, and yet they're mildly amusing. As you watch them try to do ridiculous things to Sonny Bono every sketch. Like, it was just, like, whether you're wrapping him up like a mummy, throwing him in a trash, like, you were doing something terrible to Sonny Bono. All the time. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly uh, the show that you speak of. I've seen lots of uh, sketches from shares and, uh, you know, shares variety shows, I guess. The one that always will I will always remember is and I'm not sure if it's from the Sonny and Cher comedy show, but it's when Cher does all the roles in West Side Story. If you haven't seen that, you should absolutely go and watch that. It's hilarious. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't don't hate on Cher and her talent, by the way. No, and that's oh, yeah. important because it was clear when you watched this show. I mean, Sonny was good, but Cher was she ascended and stood out as the talent, and that, and that you would see that develop over the over the next decade, of course. But yeah, it was 
like you're saying, there was a lot of funny stuff. The music was always good. Sonny was just, he was there. We share that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I, it was my number eight as well. It was a great show. Lots of fun. Excellent. Ray Cash, we're to you and your number eight, sir. Well, it's already been mentioned, but my number eight was the gong show. Anybody else got it higher? All right. Time to talk about the gong show then. So in the world we live in now, the show that probably gets the most regular ratings on cable are talent shows. America's Got Talent, American Idol, so so on and so forth. The very first one that was a legitimate talent show was the gong show. And the idea, I mean, you know, uh, Apollo has had the idea of when someone was doing bad, you had the guy pull him off the stage. Well, the gong show kind of started that idea of if you trash I'm banging this gong and get your ass off the, off the <laughs> stage. And, you know, it always had the hottest celebrity at the time coming. And I mean, it went off, it went off the air because they got too risque and people was just up there doing anything at one point. So again, a microcosm of the seventies that a show went off the air because it got a little too sexual, uh, uh, but fire uh, show, man. I had that as my eight as well. Uh, Ray. Well, done. well done. Um, and, and again, Mini shout out to the most recent iteration from a couple of years ago where everyone was talking about, is that Mike Myers? What happened to Mike Myers? Who is this? Who is this man that is supposedly Mike Myers? It doesn't look like Mike Myers. Very funny. I think Chuck Barris has to be mentioned here. He was basically the guy that kind of mm-hmm. ran the show, was the host and everything. And then if you can't do the gong show and have it on your list without mentioning the Popsicle incident, you speak of the risque things they did. It was two teenage girls, um, and they would sit Indian-style across from each other on the stage, and they would perform oral sex on Popsicles. That was their act. So Live you TV. Most watched video of 2022, 2021, 2020. <laughs> and I'll just leave, I'll leave you with this. From Hollywood, almost live, it's the Gong Show. Excellent. And on that note, Tony, it is to you and your number seven, or number eight pick. My number eight is Schoolhouse Rock. It's it's not in this category for me, so basically you know where it's going to be. All right. Well, I had to put it on there somewhere, and I'm wearing the T-shirt. And it was a fun educational show, and I think everybody can have, uh, I could go around the horn here, and everybody could sing a different song from the show as well. It was just something that was, it, it was its own it, its own thing to me, because the quality of how well they did it, as opposed to all of the rest of them, I always just drew to Schoolhouse Rock more than anything else. So I don't know, I'm sure you guys have your experiences with the show as well. Massive. Uh, I mean, who doesn't? doesn't know yeah like conjunction junction how bill becomes a law like all those three is a three is a magic number three is a magic number and yeah excellent all right and that's gonna move us so dave and i had the same number eight what's rattling it's me. I'm sorry. Charger. My, my right, killed us all. We know about, hey, we know about the uh, little rather than my, than my mic to die. All right. Aesop, it is now to you and your number eight selection. Oh, oh my number eight was Gong Show as well. Oh, uh, so then our, it's to your number seven. Yeah, yeah. My number seven is uh, the variety show 
Shanana. Nice. Uh, I love Shanana. Shanana. No. Okay, I was right. Uh, holy shit, this show is so stupid, but it's so bad that it's good. And you had a whole litany of ridiculous doo-wop jazz like uncles. That That is basically what they were. Uh, Bowser Bowman and uh, Dirty Dan McBride. Uh, Lenny. I, I just had so much fun. I, I ended up watching some episodes yesterday and I laughed the whole time, not only because of how much fun uh, the show is, but how much fun I had laughing at them, not with them. Uh, so um, yeah. And, and again, this is, this one couldn't be listed to me as, as a comedy show because there was way too much music involved. So that's why uh, I thought uh, to throw it in the variety portion. No, that's an excellent choice. Uh, and also made an Adam Sandler song. So, um, you not remember Bowser from Shanana? Part of the in Arthur Fonzer Alley? Bowser's the best one. Are you kidding me? I know, yeah, you, gotta do the, you gotta do that. He's, uh, in the Han- he's in the Hanukkah song. That's That was the thing. Is he was part of the Hanukkah song. Uh, Alright, that one went nowhere. Dave saved me. <laughs> so, my number seven is American Bandstand. And it's 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 on here for me because, again, remember, formative years, I'm a kid. I'm just learning about the enormously wide world of music. Love Barry Manlow. Barry Manlow did the theme song for American Bandstand in the 70s. Love that. Dick Clark introducing you and you got to see these new at these new acts and you got it just was so influential for me. And I know the show went on for decades. You know, there's one of these multi-generational things. But for me. To introduce, you know, a young kid into this massive world of music with all these dance numbers and you get the bands would actually perform on their live and and Dick Clark was just this like, wow, who is this guy? He's pretty charismatic and fun. Um, yeah, American Bandstand for me is number seven. PC Tunny. Multi that that's the first of our like multi decade shows, I think, so yeah. far. On, it went on, on for world, a so. long time. Oh no, somebody said sixty minutes. Somebody said sixty that's minutes. True. That's a multi decade show. Hey, that was Tony. Uh, Tony, it is to you, though, for your number seven. Um, I think someone brought this up before, so I don't know if it's higher on somebody else's list, but I have match match game. I had a number okay. 10. Yeah. Yep. So Still higher up save, on Aesop's list. Mm-hmm. Ray Cash, that means it is to you. I want to thank Dave Ungar because I, I, I had a show and I literally just changed it because I completely forgot about American Bandstand, which brings me to possibly the better version of American Bandstand. My number seven is going to be Soul Train. Higher. Funny you should mention that. Yeah. Uh, there's also number seven on my list and higher on Tunnies. So the we're int- going to now the, the intro about... song is, yeah, that's something, man. Good call. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to it when, it, we'll get we'll to get it when to it's it. on the list, Dave. Yeah, we we'll talk about it. The song as well. Uh, but we, what we're going to talk about now, though, is unless somebody else has it higher on their list, but it was higher on mine. Ray brought it up first. It's time to talk about the Flip Wilson show. Um, uh, Flip Wilson is one of the funniest human beings that Amen. people never heard of until, like, he, he had such a resurgence. I remember learning about him in the 90s really more than anything. And then you go back and you watch everything he was willing to do on a, a variety show in an hour. And he was on for four years in the 70s, uh, just pushing comedy boundaries in, in a way that influenced so many other shows later. I would argue he 
push Saturday Night Live, like that that a lot of the the stuff that he was willing to put out uh, on stage then got pulled and copycatted uh, in its own way. Flip Wilson, genius, uh, number six on my list. Ray, go ahead. Geraldine Jones, man. Um, Hell yeah. You know, it's there's this joke in uh, among black entertainers that once you start dressing like a woman, you lose your career. Well, dressing like a woman gave him his career. You know, that was like his biggest uh, character. And um, it's a, he was a character in Laugh-In that was so popular that they gave him his own show. And again, how many, with respect to uh, Sammy Davis Jr. or Nipsey Russell, like how many black comedians had their own variety show at that time? So like he was not only was he hilarious, but he was like completely a trailblazer in that field. And yes, he was one of the funniest bastards you'd ever you'd ever watch. So shout out to shout out to Flip Wilson. He was really the first black comedian to connect with a big white audience. Well, uh, Sammy, Sammy Davis. Sammy Davis. I mean, on television. On television more so, though, because if you look at here's why I say that is because if you look at the ratings for the first three years of his show, he's the third highest rated show. He's the fifth or sixth highest rated show and the 12th highest rated show in the ratings for those first three years of his show. I mean, I don't think Sammy Davis ever had that television popularity. I So I agree with you. The only difference is Flip Wilson had his own show. Sammy Davis never had his own show, but Sammy Davis was on every show. So, but you, I'm not dis- dismissing your point. Flip Wilson is a trailblazer, and he needs to be remembered. Along, we think of Red Fox, we think of um, Richard Pryor, and all these sure. great people of that era. Well, don't forget Flip Wilson. He started it for a lot of people. Amen. All right, Ray. Well, it's now your turn to do your number six. So keep the train rolling. Well, my number six is uh, one of the funniest women ever, ever, ever. Carol Burnett, the Carol Burnett show. All right. It's not me. Yep. Uh, my number six is the Muppet show. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, another, that, shit, that'd be another man. day for me. It, another day for me. I haven't even got la- to talk about la- any of my picks yet. So there you go. The, the, la- the last don't, two selections have, have me. The last two selections are on, on different shows for me. So or on different project shows for me. So there you go. There's, there's going to be bleed. Uh, Tony, it's, you just did yours. That means it's to Dave Ungar. Number six. One's a little bit country. The other's a little bit rock and roll. Donnie, oh, Donnie and Marie. not. Oh, yeah. No. It was an honorable mention for me. It actually was. I thought about it. Can I, can I tell you my favorite part of the Donnie Marie show? The ending? When it ended? When the, it ended? <laughs> the, the, the Eddie Murphy sketch making fun of Donnie and Marie making out in the 80s where he's gumby like that's what that's what i got for Dottie marie no that, that's it's, it's that's funny all, that's all fine for but again you got to take it into context i live this stuff i mean they every single this is the biggest thing they always had the biggest guest and and yeah i mean donnie was the cooler one you know that which is ironic now you look at where's donnie osmond nowhere to be found marie's pimping nutrisystem every single infomercial she, she does big- she does um, but yeah, I think like I remember Olivia Newton John showing up on that show was a huge deal at the time because she just come off of Greece and she was on there. They always had really good acts and and the skits were funny and it's just it was like it was just every single week you would sit there and watch that come on and it was it was a really big deal. I mean, yeah, I mean the Osmond. You got to also remember Pat the Osmond 
brothers were a huge deal in the 70s you know as far as acts oh, I, oh, I'm aware. and and marie was kind of like the red-headed stepchild even though she wasn't of the whole the, the brothers you know and every once in a while they trot her out and that sort of thing so to for her to get that kind of recognition and to get that exposure was a big deal is is a major show that that little bit country little bit rock and roll song that that stuck with me for decades so sorry to piss you off it's my number six i'm not pissed i just as Tony said, like when in reference to one of my picks, like I, I like that show. That's okay. Aesop, you're number six before we head into our second commercial break, if you please. All right. My number six, uh, I think, because I, I don't really count the gong show as a game show. Uh, yeah, I think this is my first game show on the list, and it's Let's Make a Deal. Oh, I literally all right. the last one I took off. So great, great pick. I hall, man. I love Let's Make a Deal. And, and it does not uh like the the 70s one is so much better than any other iteration of Let's Make a Deal. I absolutely loved the costumes so much more because now we just see a bunch of Halloween bullshit. The bad prizes are Fucking tremendous. So damn good. I loved it when someone won like a liver failed goat. And I mean, it was awesome. I loved every second of let's make a deal and was hoping and praying that everyone got the wrong prize uh, because that to me was always the funniest. It was so good. And, and, And it felt more like, a variety show than it did an actual game show to me. Um, and I don't know if anyone else kind of feels the same way, but I love let's make a deal. That, hey, no shame there. That's one of the game shows. And I know money hall, you just said th- that the sevens version was better, but that's one of the game shows where I appreciate a guy like Wayne Brady, because you have to have so many hats carrying that game show. That's not a game show where the contestants can carry the show. You yeah. literally, as the host, have to carry every ounce of that show. No, and, and I'm not talking bad about Wayne Brady. I'm just talking no, about I know, I know. the aesthetic of the show itself is is not as good. No, I agree. I, I'm just saying that's why I think people like those guys, people who are able to improv so so easily, make that show. Uh, can look. you imagine a guy like Chuck Woolery <laughs> no, hosting that show? It just wouldn't work. That's a, different, that's, a, that's a different decade, and I'm sure we'll talk about Chuck in, in the 80s project. I can't imagine we won't. By the way, to Monty, a toast for all you Eddie Murphy fans out there uh, and lovers of the golden child. All right. Excellent first half of the miscellaneous slash variety part of that 70s project television edition. We are going to take our second commercial break before we get into our recorded commercials. It is my duty to remind you that if you love listening to bandwagon nerds and then screaming and yelling, at Patrick's stupid arbitrary rules as to why we have the categories we have, or if you just love the gong show, which apparently we do too, we do too. Look at you like thumbing down the gong show over there. And you want to keep supporting us so that we can keep doing these projects and I can continue to get frustrated with these dudes, head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in one of our mini chair shot shirt designs. I personally like the bandwagon nerd shirt. Maybe because it's my show. I don't know. It's not like I get anything from it other than your love and support, and it keeps us on the air. There are all kinds of other designs to choose from. 
They're only $19.99 a shirt, or you can spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Your body will thank you. It'll feel great on your giblets. Believe me, it's awesome. It's amazing. Anyway, we love doing this. We love putting out this content on your internet airwaves every single day. And the best way to do that is head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and support us by investing in a shirt. When we come back, our selections in the variety slash miscellaneous category five through one on that 70s project here on the chair shot radio network part of the chair promotional consideration paid for by the following hey folks pc tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10 percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chair shot head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services use the promo code chair shot to save 10 percent that's angrylemonade.net <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. We are in the height of project season, kicking off that 70s project television edition. We have given our six, our 10 through 6. Aesop is going to be kicking us off with his number 5 selection. Lay it on us, big fella. What do you got? Number 5, uh, I have another game show that I guess doesn't really feel like a game show to me either. Uh, I had the dating game. Nice. I, oh, oh, oh. Nice. The game is not fun to watch as a game show. It's fun to watch. <laughs> see these brand, the, these, these, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The train wreck that is the dating game. And every subsequent version, both this and uh, I don't know if anyone has the, uh, the wedding game or whatever. The, the, the newlywed game, which is the first in the dating game. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone has that, but. But every subsequent iteration got progressively worse. But the 70s is so good at watching things fall apart, whether it be the potential of having a date or uh, a brand new marriage. So that is the best. And uh, if you haven't haven't enjoyed some of the the dating game or the newlywed game, because I'm, I'm going to mesh them together a little bit because they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh then you should go and watch it. The definition think, of crash TV. Think about the the sort of goofy ass language though that we got from those shows. Like they made fun of it in Mallrats, for God's sakes, making Whoopi. <laughs> but like that was a real thing. Like people said this shit, and, and it was and people were like <laughs> making Whoopi. Like and what in the most in the most professional way possible, making right. Whoopi. Right. And then, and then the dude would be all sleazy and cheesy and all like, you know, first I'll take you to the beach. We'll do a walk held in hands. I'll look deep into your eyes. And it would just go bad. Like, it would always just go bad. Do you guys remember the, like, final, like to hear. the final kind of spinoff, like, make this more today kind of and even, like, more sleazier? Do you remember the show Studs? No, I did that's not. A, no? That's a PC Tunny exclusive. Oh my god, that show! You know what I'm talking about, Aesop? I I want to say I've seen like an episode of it as someone like shit on it in a YouTube like short. It's like the dating <laughs> game meets what was the MTV one? Singled Next. out. Singled out. Oh, singled, okay. singled out. That that gave us Jenny McCarthy. Um, it was like those two like times ten. And the guys were horrible, and the girls loved it. And oh my god, I, I just came to mind. Sorry. 
Look for that on PC Tunney's version of the 2000s oh, project. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably not. Think probably not. And now, um, what, what's it called? It's on like Apple. It's like Fuckboy Island or something like that. Oh, uh, okay. We've gone too far. It's it's time to move it back. Uh, to there's, 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 there's a oh, show. No, 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 no. Welcome we to the Nerds, the 70s project. Fuckboy Island. <laughs> get off of Fuckboy Island, David. Get <laughs> I, wa- I want to get off of Fuckboy Island. Together. You won't let me yeah. off of it, Pat. T-shirt. That's there, going on a shirt. Oh, that's that's a sound bite. Somebody, somebody get that one. Somebody pull that one. Uh, I do love Dave, the call. You're number five. I love the dating game call because it, nothing's better than watching <laughs> the awkwardness of meeting somebody just put right out there in front of everybody and watching it fall apart. My number five, I know, is going to probably piss some people off, uh, but again, my list. It's personal to me. Saturday Night Live is my number five. And oh, higher on Tunnies. Okay, maybe maybe I was wrong. Hey, okay. okay, what what is with this? What is with this pissing people off thing? Like, wh- am I really that angry? Don't no, answer. You're, try- you're trying to keep us on Fuckboy Island, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no, no, I'm telling you to get, get off, off of Fuckboy Island. Got it, I said got leave Fuckboy Island. I'm off. That's what I said. Oh, Go back man, to Dave's number you, ten pick. Dave, Dave, Dave got off of got off oh, oh, on oh, Fuckboy oh, Island. Oh, what? There's oh. somebody behind you, Pat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, so I just got so much trouble right there. We tried so hard, Patrick. It's probably asking what that island is we're talking about. Oh, I'm in so much trouble after this podcast, guys. Oh man. Okay, so Tony, now that I know that my relationship with my uh, family is in trouble after this podcast, tell us your number five, man. I think there's better things to talk about, but then my number five right now, but we'll talk about my number five. <laughs> no, 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 I'm okay. I think we're good. Uh, laughing. I got laughing at five. Does anybody else have it higher? No. Okay. Just a great variety show. And think about all the people that came through that oh, show. Yeah. Um, I mean, Robin Williams to, uh, I'm trying to think who's married to Kurt Russell. Um, Goldie Hawn, Lily Tomlin. Are they married? Are they married? Listen, Did they ever get married? I, anyway, it doesn't matter. They never got married. No, and no, Rowan. Dating. Dan Rowan and Dick Martin are just creative geniuses. And that show was just something that couldn't not make a top 10 here, especially variety. I mean, that, that was variety. I, I had laugh in, but I took him off of Flip Wilson. So yeah, same thing. It's, it's a spinoff. Yeah. Hell yeah. Excellent choice. Ray, we're to you and your number five though. My number five is, uh, Family Feud. Talk we're starting it, right? to get into those repeats now. We're starting to get into some of those mm-hmm. connected tissues. So somebody else said Family Feud, right? I did. I did number nine. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm gonna stick with what Dave said when he first was starting. And he said Richard Dawson would kiss every woman on the lips, and nobody had a problem with it. In fact, men would want him to kiss their wives on the lips. It's the wildest thing I've ever seen. Seventies thing too, though, right, Dave? Uh, it definitely was. Uh, it, but even in the 70s, we were like, what is up with this guy, man? But but also, um, I think if you really look at the history of its time throughout all the years, look at its place in pop culture, I think it could be argued that Family Feud is maybe the most popular game show ever. Well, think about how many different people uh, hosted over yeah, the years. I think there's three three of them you could say are more popular easily. Well, I mean, I, think, I don't think I, so. I, I think. OK, I think. Can we agree that it's an I'm kind of iffy on Wheel of Fortune, but 
Uh, it's definitely a top five game show of all time, though, right? Like easy. that's not an argument. Easy, easy. for sure. Right. So I, I mean, we're splitting hairs here. If you look at this... my list, and Steve Harvey took over. That's the iteration oh. I like the best. Yeah, I guess. But I think if you look at Wasn't the contract, Lee Anderson, who? Louis Anderson, Richard Carr, yeah. Richard yeah. Carr, yeah. Yeah. What's, Richard what's Carr the, Louis Anderson. What's, what's the Ray white Coons. guy with the voice that got the white hair? Ray Coons. Yeah, yeah. Does he kill himself? Yep. So Ray let me tell you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you guys something? So I'm playing the Family Feud video game for Super Nintendo when I'm a kid, right? And I'm getting pissed off because I can't get any of the answers. And I'm playing with one of my buddies from down the street, and he's like, "Put in Ray Combe as a dumbass." So that was our answer. Ray Combe as a dumbass, and ding, Combe pops up as things you find in the bathroom. That works. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but I think the, oh, the structure, the structure of the game as a whole, is is brilliant. I mean, and 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 it would lead to so many comedic moments, you know, where people would be under pressure trying to think up these answers, and the dumbest shit ever would come out. And and like Richard Dawson said, they're reading like when the team would advance to the last thing, and it's like, uh, you know, let's see if there's anything here, and and you know, there would be like nothing there. But when people actually succeeded. Those were like yeah. really tense moments that you would be watching. Like, yeah. is that actually there? Especially fast money. Yeah. Especially fast, fast money. money was the fun part of that whole thing. Yeah. Richard right. Dawson just being the most subtle asshole about your stupid like suggestions and answers was awesome. Very he diplomatic. Was it, diplomatic about it. Can we can we be honest too? It also translated well when he showed up on the Running Man years later as the the evil te- television executive yep. slash host of the the program. Excellent choice. I think it's it's definitely a top five game show of all time. I think that it, you could argue for it to be in the top three, whether you love Wheel of Fortune or you don't love Wheel of Fortune. Um, Pat Sajak's kind of weird just saying. You look at it, man. He's creepy. His face is uh, weird. I know, right? Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. It's odd. But it's now time for my number five. And I'm going to uh, – this. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to make the show a little boring. For my number five uh, i'm sorry because i'm going with the dick cavett show and the dick cavett show was it, it, first of all does anybody know who dick cavett is like yes. tony's like what's wrong yes. with your face uh <laughs> dick cavett was one of the great interviewers of the 70s like i'm sorry he was like he was a talk he was a talk show host uh yeah you know, uh, famously interviewed you know john and yoko ono uh during that run of that show, he was a very, he had this very interesting sort of monotone, sort of boring voice. I'll, I'll agree to that. And it was just, he, he had very interesting insight. He, he interviewed Muhammad Ali. He interviewed, you name it. He did it. He was, he was there. And as much a part of the the seventies, you know, late night culture as, as anybody. And, and in fact, you know, it's, it was a different sort of interview than what you would see on other shows. And so I think he was actually really important for the time. And, you know, and then also saw him in Beetlejuice get his face grabbed by a shrimp hand. And that was really funny too. So yes. let's hear it from Dick Cavett and the Dick Cavett show. That is my number five. I love how all of you immediately started checking your phones when I started talking about the Dick Cavett show. So message received. You guys it's don't me. care about journalism. Um, <laughs> Number four on my list played a significant portion of my Saturdays uh, when it aired in syndication as well. But I always view this is a multi-decade show. This aired starting in the 60s, aired in the 70s very, very heavily in the 80s, 
and I think ended its it's still airing on some level uh, all the way up until like 20, I want to say like 2015, 2016. And that is Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. And oh, as a kid, as a kid, like that was the nature show. And Tunny or Dave, I don't care where you find it, best fucking theme song for a nature show. Period. Ooh, I'll fight you on that. Eyewitness gotta be. For for a nature show? I don't yeah, know, oh, man. It's, eyewitness is a bop. Uh, I I think uh I think mutual of Omaha slaps. So I, I guess we'll Do we agree have to a battle? No, no, no battle. But it would come in the big kettle drums play in the background. That thing was the shit. Fucking loved that thing. Uh, and then you learn about nature. And for me, it was always crazy because the guy who was the host was like the director of the St. Louis Zoo. And anybody who knows anything about me, I grew up in Illinois and my family, we like that's where we went for vacations. We went to St. Louis and we visited the zoo for free. So the curator of the zoo, like he had this show and it was on, I think it was on ABC. Watched it all the time. It was so great. And, oh. Usual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. That's my number four. So say it to me. Go Ray. Find me that music, Dave. Find me that. My bad. I'm 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 on it. Tony's got it. Tony's got it. Somebody's got it. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom is presented by Mutual of Omaha. People you can count on. That was the boring better, one. You got, you got to find the better one. Yeah, there's a better one that hits. Oh, like t- Dave will find it later. Okay. You, you found like the old '60s version. I did. Back when people the were 70s. a little more sedate. Marlon yeah. Perkins. Ray, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. It's it's your turn. It's all good. Oh, oh good. man, I'm gonna. You guys are gonna be like shocked at how good DK's eyewitness was. That thing was awesome. I think it's Ray's turn. <laughs> it is Ray's turn. Well, it's not going to be mine long because I know it's higher on Tony's list. His nickname, Mr. Saturday Night. Yeah. Saturday Night Live is number one. We know four. where that one's coming on mine. So, yeah. 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 Um, Tony's number one. Spoiler alert. My number four is Monday Night Football. Boop, boop. Oh, okay. no, I don't have Monday Night Football. Sorry. Okay. Cool. I thought about That'd putting be... Monday Night Football on. Dave. Dave, you're number four. Number four is uh, The Muppet Show. Uh, that might be higher on, it's higher on ASOP. Get it number... Okay. I had it number six. Yep. We'll get there. Speaking of banger uh, intro tunes. Hell yeah. I got it. I got it. Hey, Aesop, you trying to take, or not Aesop, Tony, you trying to take over my hosting duties? Moving everybody along? I was just trying to help out, actually. That's all. Is, is this about you? No, not, about a, you? not at all, sir. Because we know, number one chair shot villain. <laughs> I've so goddamn much, I was trying to not let you screw up the order anymore. Oh, fuck all the right off. <laughs> Number four for me is the last of the game shows. It's match game. Match okay. game was so good. Um, and I, I can understand you guys wanting to pump, uh, like bump other things higher. Totally understand that. But for me, Gene Rayburn is like my granddad. Yep. And uh, the like Mike. Charles Riley, like hell yeah. Charles, Charles Nelson Riley. Fuck yeah, let's go. And obviously, Betty White and Hattie and yeah, everyone. Another just, another Richard Dawson um, show that he was a main character on. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, even though Gene Rayburn's like talking to the contestant, uh, Richard Dawson's necking with you know whomever. He's <laughs> and, and if you ever noticed, I don't think he ever sat to another man. No, it was always two women on to his left and to his right. Great point. I'm pretty Great sure point. it was in his fucking contract, uh, which is why I didn't put Family Feud up there because he, as much as I enjoy Richard Dawson. On screen, I just know that off screen, he is a big piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, match yes, game, he was. Match game is great. And if you know, this has kind of been a running thing for many of my uh, selections is the match game now is really fucking good, too. And I love that. I love that all these 70 shows have transcended time for me outside of Kolchak. I agree I, with Aesop 100%. I'll be quick, Ray. I agree with Aesop 100%. The new one is really good, too. But when you think of it, you think of the, the 70s version and Match Game PM, where they're drinking on air, and it got crazy. Yeah, yeah. Gene Ray had a problem with his shoulder. They gave him that mic, and he never went back to a different mic. I love that mic. It, I, awesome. I love that mic so much. I'm, I'm so happy uh, Drew Carey kept the same mic when Bob Barker retired for Prices Right. Um, quick... Uh, Love what you said because it was my number ten. The thing I love about the Magic Game is it's not the best game show you'll ever watch, but it is the most seventies game show you could think of. It <laughs> was the perfect encapsulation of that era. Perfect, even even to the spinning uh, thing where when, when the contestants come in and they spin from around. Yes, you know that like it's it's just so campy. It's just oh, amazing. And watching the loser get like respun back. <laughs> it's so good, man. <laughs> It's like, and uh, yeah, you have a great night there. Thank you. Oh, oh, you're just waving goodbye to the person spinning around. I thought you were raising your hand to speak. My bad. Dumb door was so so dumb. One of the most iconic game show themes of all time for you. Everybody remembers that. Dumb door was so dumb. How dumb was she? Just so good. So dumb. (laughs) <laughs> ah, yes. oh, great pick man okay well Aesop uh, my number three uh, this is the one that uh, I, I actually came out in the 60s but came out way too late and is definitely for me remembered more in the 70s it's Sesame Street uh, Sesame Street is really fucking funny in the 70s guys if you uh, if you are just thinking 70s and you're thinking 80s, 90s, you know, today, whatever, go back and watch some 70s Sesame Street. You will find yourself laughing far too much. You feel like you shouldn't be laughing this hard, but it's got like it's got some jokes that they're not like adult oriented, but they're jokes that, you know, just fly over the kids heads. So they were definitely trying to make it a a show for everyone to watch. And obviously it's full of variety. The, the amount of stuff that they did, they had singing performances as well. So many celebrities eventually later on. Uh, Sesame Street is so freaking good. And shout out to Cookie Monster and Prairie Dawn. That is some money right there. Shout out to Elmo and that damn rock. 
Well, but that's later, man. That's like that's I know, but I'm just saying, like, I got beef with the rock. I got beef with the rock, Rocco, just as much as Elmo do. I just needed to let that be known. <laughs> oh yeah, we we Elmo we, beef we love, with Rocco we, in '80s. We we love the street here on bandwagon, uh, nerds. We uh, we have been about the street for a while, and in fact, there's a really good documentary about Sesame Street that's out there that's worth watching. Definitely take take the time. I'm, the title eludes me, but it of, of course is a a play on. Sesame Street. One of my all-time favorite moments in television is Kermit the Frog doing the ABCs with the little girl, and she keeps saying Cookie Monster in the middle of it. And she, yes, she actually she actually breaks Jim Henson a little bit, uh, and and he and he's so good that he stays in the Kermit the Frog character. But when he's like, "Now you're just messing with me," like like he's saying that to her, but it's Kermit the Frog saying it's it's a brilliant show. And yeah, I think it'll show up on a different list at a different. Another one too, Don Music, uh, the the, uh, piano player, that piano writer, music writer that can't remember how to finish classic nursery rhymes. It's really good. It is good stuff. Absolutely. Dave, all that. Uh, My number three is the Carol Burnett show, which I know Pat is going to show up somewhere else for you. But look, this show the three main people, Carol Burnett, Harvey Corman, Vicki Lawrence. Wow. I mean, they were just Titans of this decade. And that show was all the various skits. And it wasn't like, you know, like Donnie Marie there, there's music, but not anything. This, this was really sketch comedy focused. And the mm-hmm. stuff that these three threw out repeatedly for many, many years. Yeah. My wife, my wife is applauding this decision. She loved Carol Burnett as well. Um, just a tremendous show. I mean, what are the, yeah, I mean, I've got it as my top, like sketch comedy show of the, of the decade. So I, I can't say much more about it. It oh, was phenomenal. Did, did you, did you really leave Tim Conway off of this conversation? You're right. I did. Sorry. My bad. Tim but, Conway as well. I, here's the thing about the Carol Burnett show. That's just as interesting. And, and of course it's good. I may change my comedy up a little bit because I don't know that what bears repeating. If I, if I, we were to talk about this again, half the fun of that show is again, them breaking character on each other all the damn time. And, mm-hmm. and Harvey Corman was the easiest oh, yeah. one to break. Like Harvey Corman, it was Tim Conway's job to see if he could make Harvey Corman die laughing. Like that was the show. Um, and led to, you know, a spinoff series for Vicki Lawrence as well. Like, uh, so, character out of that and, and like speaking but, of that i was gonna say ray i mean the intro to this show bandwagon nerds recorded in front of a live studio audience these were all recorded in front of live studio audiences so when people would yep. break it would be like oh okay you're seeing it all happen in front of you you, you spoke of the vicky lawrence spinoff mama's family yep. uh, and i i it's interesting from a kid born in the late 80s i thought it was the other way around I thought Vicky Lawrence <laughs> was the star and Carol Burnett was the person yeah. hanging with her. And then as I got older and got a chance to really delve into who Carol Burnett was, because my favorite my favorite uh, comedy show of all times is I Love Lucy. We will never talk about it because it's the 50s. Um, but <laughs> the when, I found out the, when I found out the titan that Carol Burnett was, it changed my entire perspective on women in comedy, sketch comedy in general. And so you got to give Carol Burnett flowers. Still to this Absolutely. day, got to give her flowers. We oh, will one hundred percent. 
we'll be talking about the Carol Burnett show in the near future. Let's just say that. All right. Well, Tony, the near future is you and you're number three. So lay it on us. My number three is the tonight show with Johnny Carson. Hmm. Um, that brings it to Ray. Ray, you're number three. 60 minutes. There you go. Fire. That brings it to my number three. My number three is ABC's Wide World of Sports. Great pick. Fire on Dave's oh, list. Great nice. pick. Great pick. So that, bring, that brings me to my number two. My number two is 60 Minutes. Yep. There we go. So a news magazine, you know, an hour, a news magazine that was just different than anything you'd ever you'd ever had in terms of your concept of news. <laughs> it was underneath you. You could, yeah, there you go. I'm Patrick Dowd. You want it? There you go. Hold on. There well, you if we're gonna do, I'm Patrick O'Dowd, and then you have to go around the room, and everybody would say it. But that, that it was just, it was different sort of. It was a different sort of journalism on television. It was not the nightly news. It was editorial. It was, it was deep diving interviews. It was human interest story, and it's still going today. Like it's still going today and it's still influential today. It's different, but like I remember uh, the NFL is the reason why I know, like I would pay attention to the to 60 minutes because they'd be like, you know, coming up next on most CBS stations, 60 minutes, blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> and then you'd be like, well, what are they talking about? They'd have a little thing in the corner. And, you know, that's how you learned about, you know, Marley Schaefer. That's how you learned about Andy Rooney and all of those guys. Uh, and, and all those those journalists. So huge deal. It's appointment television for many, many a person. And so for me, 16 minutes was number two. I had him number 10 on mine. I think the clicking talk is the the, the ticking clock, sorry, um was was is 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 iconic. Uh, that was unintentional. Um yes, everybody knows what, what time uh, 60 minutes is on because everybody watches 60 minutes or they watch football. A lot of people watch both those things. And if you watch either one, you know, when it's on, it's on Sundays. So yeah, once, once DVR and TiVo came out and shit, you had to pay attention to when that would stretch forward. But you talked about all the people, Mike Wallace, Harry Reznor, Morley Safer throughout the times, Dan Rather, Ed Bradley leading to Diane Sawyer and everybody else moving forward here. But Walter Cronkite, Roger Mudd, et cetera, et cetera. Like these were the best of the best journalists who could go ahead and put their personal touch on some personal investigative reporting and not a fan of news shows, but this in 2020, I'd always pay attention to what stories they were doing because if I was interested in the story, I knew they were going to do it right. And I would enjoy watching the show. It's just, I wasn't interested in everything they were doing, but those two pretty much carried the news magazine television show. Well, the the way that television has become and was kind of layered is that prime time was always going to be the most important time of day because everybody was at home. So to have the news magazine in prime time gave you a level of importance that you couldn't get on the daytime show or your your your, uh, your daily news, uh, local news. But most importantly, when I make these lists, because it was my number three, when I make these lists, I always try to give credence to something that's the best of its type. And, you know, I don't think it could be questioned and someone will, that's fine. But I don't think it can be questioned that 60 Minutes is the preeminent new show ever. The things that it has, the things that it has done, the, the stories that it has brought forth, the, the people that's introduced to our 
world into our lexicon to our knowledge you know uh it's it's just an, it's and even if you don't watch it every, everybody here I, I doubt any of us are avid news watchers maybe if you are i apologize but we all know shit that happened on 60 minutes and we've all seen tons of them so yeah well deserving the only the only problem i have with 60 minutes is that uh andy rooney stayed on way too long Oh, I thought you were going to say the only problem with 60 Minutes is it takes too you two long. hours to watch it. It was too long. <laughs> it takes two hours to watch 60 Minutes? No, it takes, him two hours. Like, it takes him two hours to watch it. I like 60 Minutes. I, I wasn't going to put it on there because, you know, especially I'm I'm thinking about the 70s. You know, and I'm not going to go back and watch 70s news broadcasts, you know, in its entirety. Um, you know, so there's nothing wrong with that being, you know, higher on other people's list or just being on anyone's list. Uh, just Andy Rooney is annoying. That's, that's, I never really liked or understood his gimmick. You do enjoy, what is it? Is it the eyebrows? Is it the unfeathered, unkept eyebrows? Well, you know, maybe it's, uh, (laughs) maybe something that I don't understand. And it's like, shut up. Andy Rooney sounds like he could be your Nana. I just love that Beavis and Butthead had a whole sketch where they made fun of Andy Rooney in an episode. Why do they call it taking a dump instead of leaving a dump? I mean, you're not really taking it anywhere. Okay, Patrick's is better than Aesop's. (laughs) Mine got a little Louis Anderson. (laughs) So, uh, I'm sorry, where are we now? Are we still on 60 Minutes? Is this, is it raised turn again? Yeah. It's my turn now? All right. Drink. Okay. I lost track. I, 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 I will be blown away if anybody has this on their list. Absolutely blown away. We, we chose the category miscellaneous variety, which means that many series count. Roots. Oh, I know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Roots will show up it, somewhere else for me, but yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be on a different list. Man, I mean, you know, I, I hate to be the token guy. Who always brings up the black shows or 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 entertainment factors or functions? But I mean, this this was this was the show that taught a lot of people like about slavery. And I'm I know I'm trying I'm know I'm being facetious, but like legitimately, you know, everybody knows Kunta Kinte. Everybody knows foot got chopped off. Everybody knows these stories, right? Um, you know, and then the people that were in the in the show, LeVar Burton is the superstar. John Amos is a superstar, like all these people. But, Tony, you're normally the stat person here. Tell me if I'm wrong. I believe Roots is the highest watched miniseries ever. And I don't even think it's close. It, it long, it, yeah, for the longest time at least, it was the most watched television miniseries in the history of television. So, I mean, in every metric you want to look at, it, if you're looking at it from importance to the culture and importance to television. If you want to look at it from metrics, if you want to look at it from the number of people who were in the, the series that became important, if you want to look at what it meant to historical, to actual historical context. Yeah. Roots is, it's, it's just undeniable and unbelievable how important that is to the history of television. I did. I, um, I had no idea LeVar Burton was culture? in Roots until no i had no idea until because i you know again i was a child of the 80s and loved reading rainbow which may or may not pop up on an 80s project and then later 
saw Roots, and was, and that was that was like the known actor that I you know, connected with on that show. So uh, in that, uh, in, in terms of just familiarity for for me as a child of the '80s. So yeah, I can't. That's a that was a that was a massive undertaking if I remember from from mm-hmm. its inception to its completion. Like it's multiple volumes and spans generations and is still influential to this day. Like like I have the book upstairs in my library. Yeah, I can't find your I can't find your stat for you, Ray, but I can tell you that if people haven't seen this or want to go back and watch it because this historical significance is is nearly unmatched by anything else done as especially a TV miniseries is on HBO Max. So, okay. I'll say yeah, that great, Ray great is pick. Ray is absolutely right. I mean this miniseries taught a lot of us white people in the late to you know mid to late 70s whenever this was out um about something that you know we didn't know about cuz we maybe had been shielded from it or sheltered from it and this put it out there front and center. So yeah, it was it is a massively I'll, influential I'll give show. you a I'll give you a stat, Ray. I can't give you the stat on the most watched, but I can tell you it won nine Golden Globes in 1977. Oh, goddamn. That's telling. So I'll I'll put it to you this way. Thank God you're here because one of one of at least one of us should have also had this on our list, considering its significance. The most watched miniseries of all time is 1983's The Winds of War. It does. A hundred and forty million viewers. Was that what is it on? Oh, is it on the Vietnam War? Uh, Eighty-three. I would assume so. That was the Civil just, War. That, oh, maybe. Like blue and gray was a big. We're not going to get into the eighties stuff right now. But yeah, I was like, okay, we're we're starting to talk about another miniseries, trying to go all over the place. It was a it was a television event. It was it was not to be missed. It was appointment television. Dave, it is to you, and your number two. My number two is Monday Night Football. Number one, baby. Oh, okay, never mind. I think we skipped Tony. Did we skip your number three, Tony? We did. I'm sorry, Tony. We, go ahead. We I'll, go number two. I'll go after Dave. I'll go after Dave. You already said it. No, we're on number two, right? Yeah, we're on number two. You just yeah, skipped so my number skipped, two. That's all. We skipped That's your all. number, we skipped your number three? No, no stop. I'm we did confused. number three. Try- yeah, it's your we number just- two. I missed you. Yeah. Dave just said that it was Monday Night Football. Ray said it's his number one. Here okay, go. So Going back to you, because okay, I was paying attention. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> the price is right. The price is right. The price is right. The price is wrong, like, bitch. Oh, sorry. Oh, bitch. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And what else do you really associate with the price is right? There's a few things you really do. Bob Barker, period. Bob Barker's beauties, which we would learn later on that he was such a gentleman and a great guy to all of those women trying to make careers for them. No, I, you haven't heard that? <laughs> Ray, Ray's face He's is like, priceless. Well, unless, real, Ray, Ray knows. Ray, we know. We, we but the real thing is Bob Barker helped control the pet population. And we also equate staying home sick from school with watching The Price is Right and feeling better. So and, the, and, the, and the greatest game ever. I know people are going to say Plinko, but dog, the mountain the mom, climber is my shit. The mountain climber? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, my yeah, shit, yeah. bro. <laughs> it's just because of the old one. There you go. Oh, see, I actually like the failure one better. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum, bum. Wow. Oh. 
so yeah, how exciting the prospect of winning a new car really was. Also, the only game that you could win by bidding a dollar. There it is. There it is. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, r- r- random, but did y'all watch? Did y'all watch it uh, when uh, Xavier Woods did that? Somebody was wrestling in a match, and he did that on the trombone. He played it on a trombone. <laughs> it's the classic stuff, man. Sound effect of all time. Agreed. It absolutely it, is. Yeah, there's, there's no, there's. It's a great fail. Sound, like you can just count on that one. All right, all right, I like it. All right, yeah, we oh, shots fired. I so you just think about how many different great sort of random games and how bad an episode could be if there wasn't like if it was a bunch of those episodes where it was just like shit lined up on a on a shelf and you had to pick like higher or lower and, and that's really like that those were annoying but when Playco rolled around like I know you said you love the mountain but Playco rolled around it was like they won the damn lottery man like yep. you would have thought we losing our minds uh I loved the uh the dice game where, where we had to roll yes. the dice um yes you, you pull the chips out and you get the number or an x the game where you have to punch the thing to get the well, card out of the money. On yeah. the wall. So good, man. Well, so, then you got the big wheel well, at the yeah. end as well, showcase right? The showcase showdown. showdown. Boom. Yeah. Just showcase. And if some showcase showdown has provided so many great moments, um, especially that guy that like that like traced uh, what the actual showcase number was going to be. There's a great documentary on yeah. the guy who sat in the oh, audience and gave everybody the actual answers to everything. He did so much research. He knew the like, seriously, this is a thing. It's a great documentary to go back and watch. I can't remember the name of it, but Dave, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention hole in one or two. Oh, yeah. The or two weak sauce. Everybody sucks <laughs> in golf. <laughs> All right, Aesop, it's to you and you're number two, man. This is the one that I feel is the most controversial on my list. Um, And again, I I ran with the idea of variety and this show had lots of drama, lots of history and lots of humor. I put mash at number two. It is full of different genres. Yeah. That's a great pick because it's in my comedy list, but I thought, well, is it action? Is it drama? It's that's good. That's a good choice. It's, it's just everything. It's a variety of stuff. And I just, I, I knew that I can't say, I, I couldn't put it in my comedy list because I, it's not, it's not the most important comedy to me. I, I thoroughly enjoy mash. Uh, obviously the the song the theme song that Fire. everyone Fire. knows even Fire. if they've never seen fucking mash suicide is painless like what the fuck that's your that's your uh comedy opener right it's kind of yeah. terrifying and also has some of the most watched moments in television history obviously the, the it's yeah. It's finale was I. I mean, I was like four for when the finale of Mash aired because it was in the early '80s when it when it released, and you know, and everybody remembers the big helicopter goodbye thing that as they're flying away. But you know, we talk about dramedies right uh, a lot, and there's I, I have a soft spot for those sorts of shows. Tony and I have gone back and forth about my favorite 
like comedy of all time because he doesn't particularly care for it and that's fine but but scrubs steals a lot from mash oh yeah uh, ted lasso like bill lawrence's like catalog of work over the last couple of years has he is heavily influenced by mash like and in scrubs he actually has a, a funny like mash uh joke in the middle of it where the main character is angry that he always has to dress up as hot lips when they play bash as, as kids. And, and he's like, well, why do I have to be hot lips again? Uh, shut up and kiss Frank. Like that's that, like that whole thing. But you know, you would have goofy shit like that. You'd have Klinger doing whatever. And then suddenly somebody dies and it'd be somebody meaningful. Uh, it was just, it was huge. And it was on top of being a medical procedural as well. So right. This is, oh, it, it, this is a it house. was crazy. You know, an ER and all oh, that. Just and, a couple, you see a that spinoffs too? Yes, there was. Because they followed the, the colonel. Um, I can't remember what his name was now. Off the top of my head, but uh, he, he had a show. Uh, it's, it's just crazy to me. Because go back and watch the movie MASH. And then try to wrap your brain around how the television show that they created was spun off of that movie. Like, it's, it's mind-blowing. And that's nothing against the film because the film is great. Obviously great enough to warrant a sitcom slash dramedy based on the movie. Like it's unbelievable. Like it's a great pick. Um, and I can see why it would be tough to go between whether or not to put it on a comedy list or a miscellaneous list or a drama list like that. I'm not, I'm not struggling with that. Can I ask you guys a question then, since we're on this topic right now, it it falls into the seventies, right? Because I believe the majority of the, of the run was in the seventies. I'm going to put it, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm putting it on my drama list. Is anybody else already decided to where they would put it? I mean, I think we're all going to have it because this is maybe the most iconic show of the seventies. If you're going to put it there. I'm I'm putting it as of now, still in my comedy list only because it is listed as a sitcom. But I, I have I have a, a little I mean, time Dave, to think about that. Dave, you're more connected to dark comedy is what Dave, it's listed as. Sure, sure. Dave's yeah. more connected with the time than any of us and everything that it meant to as well. Like Patrick mentioned, he's second oldest here to Dave, and, and he was only so old when the, the, the finale dropped. But, I mean, this was a huge deal, right, Dave? Yeah, it's uh the finale was massive. And, and, and the way that, you know, they wrapped it around kind of Hawkeye, you know, dabbling with insanity if i remember the finale a lot he's in the sideboard yeah he is i i think like i would still call it a comedy but i mean like you know the moment when henry blake dies is one of the biggest gut punches in tv history you know when the first colonel flies away and you think oh cool and then they're in surgery and, and radar says you know helicopter got shot down it's it's tragic massively tragic uh i'd probably lean with ray have it as a comedy, but boy, there are some major dramatic moments wrapped around that. So it's a, it's a tough one. So putting it here is, isn't, isn't a bad call. Aesop. It Yeah. It, I mean, it, to me, it, there's just nothing that jumps out right in front. Uh, Cause the biggest moments are going to be the drama moments, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously the whole thing centered around medical and, you know, obviously there's comedy too. So it, it's really, it, when I say controversial, I wasn't mean it's going to piss people off, but you know, you could have put up a stink about it. Like, why would you put it there? But I'm glad you right. had to see where I'm going with. And, and for reference, the Hawkeye story, like it's PTSD and he is recounting 
uh, time they're trying to be quiet on a bus and he's talking about uh, keeping a chicken quiet and killing the chicken. And it turns out that the chicken is actually a baby and that he forced a mother to smother her baby and it died. That like comedy, like it wasn't all comedy. And it really forced, you know, this country had such a history. Didn't they? Didn't they have to pull that episode from uh, from the air, from the wave? I, I honestly, God, I don't remember. But what I what I can tell you is that you know it was a very it, that show took a very different look at the way that this country viewed war, uh, and, and in a time when you know we were the, the country was very confused about its feelings around things like Vietnam, you know, and and most people think that. Mash took place in Vietnam. It did not. It took place in the Korean War. Korea. Uh, it was. It was very. It was very, very interesting though, because it really was part of that crisis of conscience that was going on in the seventies as we sort of tried to face as a nation whether or not we, as a country, should be in places where we were. So, excellent, excellent choice. Like I don't. I, I see no way um, that this wasn't going to end up in multiple places or had the potential to end up in multiple places. All right. Aesop, it's time for your number one, though. Uh, my number one is the one that has stood the test of time for me and stood the test of this list, apparently. It's The Muppet Show. Muppet Show is so good, and it only brings tears to my eyes to see what Disney has done to my poor Muppets over their entire acquisition period. And... um just fuck them. Fuck fuck you, Disney. Wow. Uh, the, it, look, I, 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 the Muppet Show is so good. It's got so much. It's the best variety show out there. It's got fantastic characters, fantastic uh, personalities as well. You know, things that that's what kind of got me into trying to do impressions you know, I obviously everyone wanted to do a Kermit the Frog or attempted to do a Kermit the Frog. But, you know, I was over here trying to be Dr. Teeth. You know, that's that's <laughs> like it's ad. Yeah. You know, stuff like that or animal. I love every last bit of the Muppet show. Uh, I need to say no more. So I, anybody who knows anything about me knows about my affinity for Jim Henson as an artist. And, you know, you you've got two of his babies on your list in, in Sesame Street and The Muppet Show. And one of my things that I will talk about at length with anybody who talks about Jim Henson, The Muppets, and puppetry is his argument, his staunch defense slash argument that puppets and puppetry and even animation aren't children's mediums in and of themselves. And if you watch The Muppet Show, there's some weird shit that goes on <laughs> in The Muppet Show that is very adult in the nature of its humor. It's very dull. And, and the thing that is crazy, like when people talk about Kermit the Frog uh, as this iconic character, and he is, uh, Kermit, the Cro- Kermit the Frog's, uh, you know, was originally created as part of a coffee commercial campaign in which Kermit died all the time like he used to find new and inventive ways to kill kermit and it would eventually become this icon on the muppet show whether it was you know backstage shenanigans agents i there was a whole run of episodes of the muppet show where they had to take on 
the boss's kid of the theater because the theater like was always on the verge of going under. Like they were dealing with financial problems throughout <laughs> the whole thing. The you know Statler and Waldorf are, are the greatest characters in my opinion of the show and their merciless heckling of of Fozzie. Pigs in space is the shit. And I'm so glad for as much as you hate what they've done to them. I'm so happy that I can watch the Muppet show on, on Disney plus. Did you watch the Muppet haunted mansion? Yeah. My kid, my kid is, it's his favorite ride in the whole world at Disney world. So I have watched it more than one time. Yes. So you have heard Kermit the frog's voice in that. Yes. It is abysmal. I'm sorry, man. Either guns or that that's pretty much how it sounds. I'm sorry, man. I I wish I could help you there. I I get it. Also also put the Muppet show as one of the very first things on Disney plus. And it took how long for them to put all the Muppet show on? Fuck them. All right. Well, we, we, we gotta, we're going to move on from your rage and, and hand it over to Dave and his number one, Dave, what's your number one? Oh wait, we got it. I got to give you this first, though, Patrick. You got, you got to. All right, all right. Play the theme song. It's the Muppet Show with our very special guest star, Mr. Steve Martin. There you go. Kermit uh, the Frog here. Yeah, the Muppet Show was revolutionary in so many ways. But for my number one, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. The agony of defeat. It's ABC's Wide World of Sports. Look, I, you know. For somebody like me, who, it, it, you know, when I was growing up in the 70s, the biggest things to me were like comic books and sports. And no show out there introduced me to literally the wide world of sports, like ABC's wide world of fucking sports. It, it just makes sense, doesn't it? It does. It, it, and <laughs> Jim McKay and that introduction and that poor bastard wrecking on the ski jump. Oh my God! That every board, time, every time, every week he wrecks. You keep thinking maybe he's going to pull this jump off one of these. And the amazing thing is he came out relatively unscathed from that whole thing. Um, but just you know, it introduced you to so many things. It was so integral to like the Olympics, like the '76 Olympics were broadcast mostly on ABC's Wide World of Sports. And and you learned about stuff you didn't like auto racing, you know, the Indy 500 would appear on ABC's wide world of sports and weightlifting. And, and just it was huge for the Olympics curling, curling, just curling, curling showed up on ABC's wide world Anything of sports before you could, anybody got obsessed with it because of the Olympics. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and you got to give a shout out to Jim McKay was the man for ABC's wide world of sports and as iconic as and they had him go to some weird ass shit, too. Like he went to like. They weren't joking like he'd be there and cow chip tossing and he'd be treating it like this real serious thing. I think the two biggest ones I remember are like they were throwing the kegs over the over behind them over the beam. Yeah, like that strongest was up. man competition. Yeah, yep. strongest man shit. That and cliff diving. Cliff yep. diving From was Acapulco. on Wild World yeah. Sports. Yes. Yes. No, actually, it was on my list, too. It was it was a little further down. I think I had a number four. Um but our number three, yeah, I had mutual uh, number four. But number four, yeah, it was uh, right there with you, Dave, man. And it really did. Like you learned, so you never knew what sport you were going to get. Because some days you'd get a street race in Monaco, and then another day you'd get bowling, and then another day you'd get curling, and then another day you'd get some weird equestrian thing. It was awesome. Great, great choice. Great choice. 
Yeah. Sonny, number one in your heart. What's what you got, buddy? I don't know. What do you guys think I got here? Is this going to be a big surprise? I think surprise? it's live. I think it's live. Probably with some not ready for primetime players. If I, I would imagine guess. so. I think everybody that knows anything about me knows where this show, it's a special place in my heart. I love it. I, I am obviously uh, born in the early 80s, but the 70s made this show. Um, you talk about the people that were there at the beginning of this thing from maybe not the exact first year, but the first couple years, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, uh, what Lily Tomlin, Jane Curtin, uh, uh, just Lauren Michaels is brilliant. Gilda Radner. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and Patrick and I, Patrick, Patrick and Ray share this affinity for Saturday night live almost as much as I do, because we both had multiple conversations and I know both Dave's love the show as well. So I just, it, it might show up in multiple decades on my list because I think it's significant in multiple decades. Um, maybe not, the 80s, cast, yeah. but I think if we get to the nineties, this could show back up again. And I don't know if that's against the rules or not, but I think it, when this kind of thing, it's a little bit different each year. Right. And, and that's kind of the unique thing about it is how long does the roster stick around? How does it change? How does it evolve? Where does that writing come from? Because you think about the famous writers that have been on this show from Al Franken to Conan O'Brien to this younger generation of writers we have now, Colin Jost and Michael Che to me are doing a great job today, but like it all started in the seventies and there's some iconic shit. You can go watch on the cock. <laughs> Lauren Michaels took a, Lauren Michaels took a real risk and cause it could have bombed. Like it could have failed horribly and it didn't. And that's, uh, you know, he, he it was a credit to the cast he picked, Chevy Chase notwithstanding. He was kind of a dick. Uh, and you forget about talented, this. But he was talented. I mean, you can't oh, do it without it. I agree with you 100%, though. Sorry. Um, and, and we, you know, you almost have to, you almost have to shout out Steve Martinez, too, who became a de facto cast member, though they mm-hmm. called him a host, because he was kind of, he took over. In, in a bit when, when Chevy Chase left him in a pinch for a while. That's a great call because it reminds me on the musical side too, Paul Simon kind of helped him out a lot in the beginning as well, being yep. hugely popular. Um, I mean, he wore, he wore a fucking turkey suit to open one of the shows and sing a goddamn song. So, Dude, John, I think John I Belushi, think... man. John Belushi. Yeah. <laughs> John Belushi and Chris Farley, right, as we move forward. But, like, just the – I mean, I don't think a show produces – any other show produces more talent than Saturday Night Live over the years in the 70s is that that cornerstone start. Absolutely. This is, this is not a conversation for today, but I'd be curious to, another time, even privately, to know what you guys, who your guys' favorite, who you guys' favorite cast member is and who you think the best cast member ever was. Well, That's if you listen to some five by fives, you could catch Patrick O'Dowd and PC Tunney's opinions on Saturday Night Live because every time Tunney guests on the five by five it's a saturday night live episode and where can i find that five by five patrick on the chair shot radio network part of chairshot.com where we oh encourage goodness. you to always use your head the chairshot.com always use your head and on that note shameless plug pushed aside ray cash your number one sure hope it's what i think it is because i haven't heard you say it yet Monday Night Football, gentlemen. Wait, did I miss Soul Train? Soul Train was number was my number uh, seven. 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> Did I not yeah. talk about Soul Train? Yeah, drink, drink heavily. Dude, what what number was your, what number was Soul Train for you? It was my number seven too. I missed it. No, right, we talked about it at the same time. Did we? No, we didn't, because I did not talk about... You did. All right, anyway, move on, because I clearly blew this. So... Oh, everybody drink. Um, Twice. Uh, here's the thing. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go listen to All right, to stop. Like, stop. Really? I'll tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Oh, God. What happened? I had Soul Train on my list, and I needed to take it off because I didn't put something on that I should have. So we didn't talk about it. So... Talk, talk about it. Okay. I was like... Good. I know it's we didn't talk small. about because <laughs> I was like, I know we would have talked about Don Cornelius and how fucking important Don Cornelius was to to television and to make up for it, to make up for it. There you go. Thank you. So, so you want to take right, a second to talk about it, Pat? Yeah, I think we should. I like. It was like a, it was American Bandstand except cool. Like well, that's the reason up, why I added to my list because I forgot about it until Dave mentioned American Bandstand. That it it got me all discombobulated. Yeah, because Don you, you, Don Cornelius, you you talked about the influence of, of Flip Wilson, right? Yeah, uh, on yeah. television, Don Cornelius was that for black music Absolutely. in the seventies and putting it out there on mainstream. And you look. Like that show spanned 30 years. It ended in 2006. Like it was on. And, you know, from the dance line to the people, like so many famous folks, like we're a part, we're regulars or we're like cast members on Soul Train. Rosie Perez credits it all the time because she was a part of it. Shamar Moore, Nick Cannon was a part yeah. of Soul Train. Like it's yeah. so great. And it was so different. And it was, like it was just so not white, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and, and that, and I say that in the best way possible. Like these people were doing shit on a dance floor that was exciting, and nothing I would see at your local bar. Mix. So, so I'm glad you said that. So, as a young kid growing up in the hood, the way we learned how to dance was watching Soul Track. So, like before. There's a movie um, called The Wood with Omar Epps yep. and Tay yep. Diggs, and where he moved the kid, he Omar Epps' young younger character moves from North Carolina to South Central LA, and he's going to his first dance, and he doesn't know how to dance, so he turns on Soul Train, and he's trying to figure out how to do this because he's never done this before, and that is so many twelve, thirteen year old young people's uh, way to learn. Because every new dance that was hot was on Soul Train. And so, and to your point, American Bandstand was more about the, in my opinion, was more about the oh. artists performing. Soul Absolutely. Train was a movement, dog. They, people, they didn't even have to be, 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 be like a live artist playing. They just played <laughs> music over the speakers. And you just, it's mesmerizing that we watched 30 minutes of people just dancing. It was a huge, dance, huge bandstand. dance party. Yeah. American Bandstand felt like a TV show with music and people dancing to it. Soul Train felt like you were watching a club. Yeah. Of people actually oh, getting into what they're doing. You know what I mean? With there was the a coolest host ever. With the coolest mo 
I mean, the, the, Don Cornelius is most got the most chill voice ever, you know, and peace, love, and soul, and just man, what he meant to the culture, all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. One of my favorite jokes in a movie of all time is the '80s movie. Uh, sorry, Patrick Dempsey called "Can't Buy Me Love," and he's going okay. to a dance and he doesn't know how to dance, and so he goes to his little brother saying, "I need to watch Soul Train," and his little <laughs> brother turns it on to PBS and he's watching the African Anteater dance ritual, and it's you know it's a weensy bit racist because it's a it's a PBS African dance thing, and he takes that with him to a school dance, but he thinks he's watching Soul Train because that's how. I mean, Soul Train was cool. That's how you danced. All right, Ray, now we can go to your number one. Let's talk Howard Cosell and Muddy Howard Howard Cosell. Frank Gifford. Um, yeah, Dandy, Dandy Dan Meredith. Yeah. Don Meredith, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on this because yeah, we do. we're sports fans. Well, okay, sure. We're sports fans. We all understand the importance of Monday Night Football, but Monday Night Football is, by every metric, the most successful television show ever. That's not a local news channel. By every metric, it every, it's just it it it's the, it's it's consistently gets the most ratings. Um, it's the only show that I could think of that caused a controversy because they cut it off. The damn Heidi, the Heidi games, Heidi yeah. game. Well, that was so, a, that was sixty eight though. That was six. That was that was. But that wasn't Monday Night Football. That was a CBS Sunday afternoon game. Okay, you in with the fucking specifics, but sure. Okay, still, but get the point. I, I will say this. If this is the place where Tony could actually out nerd somebody on the show, this is this is the moment. This is this is PC Tony's nerd moment. He's taking it with pride, by the way. Oh, he is taking it with pride. <laughs> Talk about it might be the most successful television show of all time. Like here's the other thing: other, other networks rescheduled their fucking sitcoms and primetime around this and we talk about like as a wrestling network how it affects numbers when rest when football's on and not like. It's there's only fucking football for a reason. Sorry, Patrick. there's only one crazy bastard ever bold enough to go after that date, and that's Vince. But, but like literally, people schedule. You're absolutely right. They schedule their entire block around. Well, don't need to put anything important on Monday. <laughs> Amazing. I will um, correct me if I'm wrong. Monday Night Football is how the majority of America learned that John Lennon was shot. Absolutely. Howard Cosell Absolutely. announced it during in, it in 1980. Yeah, that tells you how significant the audience for Monday Night Football was and is. Like people still to this day, like it is the king of Monday Night. Period. Once Monday Night Football hits, it is what's watched on. Well, it was, bum, 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 it was um, my number two, and and I mean, talk about the 70s specifically. Oh, I mean, mm-hmm. look at the defenses that you just that were born on Monday Night Football. The Steel Curtain, the Doomsday Defense, yep. Purple People Eaters, the Orange Crush yep. Defense. All that stuff came out of the 70s. With all due respect to the 85 Bears and the 2000 Ravens, not taking anything away from them. But you look at those defensive groups and just kind of like how they were front and center to the birth of the first true dynasty that we had during the Super Bowl era. Sorry, Tony. I know the Packers won two in a row, but the Steelers were the first diet from 74 to 79. That's all Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers right there. And that was born on Monday night football. So yeah, it's a massive decade. Super Bowl dynasty. Yeah, for sure. Um, iconic music, but the original music was. 15 seconds there. Stand by all cameras. Ready with slow motion and isolated cameras. Stand by videotape and roll tape. And tape is rolling in less than five, 
in three, two, one. Take, take. And the cool thing about it is the visual that goes with that while he's counting it down is they're showing all the different camera angles they're going to have for you that night, right? So they made it about the production for television. It was a new way to watch football. And in order to do that, you had to tune in on Monday night. And the people that they had to host the show and the longevity it's had, it's dead now. It is. It's on cable television. It is no longer a network television show. Um, So it does not really necessarily get as much as it should anymore but when it was on the network in the 70s and then through the 80s and early 90s domination 100 percent. i don't watch sports i don't know what this is all right so we've now covered sports we've covered entertainment i guess we could say we've covered sports entertainment today my number one was on other people's list for me there was a void left behind when it uh, when Ed Sullivan signed off in, in terms of that evening talk show, and Ed Sullivan was Sunday nights, like that's when you watch it. But weeknights, you watch the Tonight Show and you watch Johnny Carson, and you know you talk about you know we're talking about Monday Night Football and eyes on everybody, like Ed McMahon saying, "Here's Johnny," and this you know for damn near three decades. Uh, Johnny Carson was how most of America called it a night after the 11 o'clock news. Uh, and, and he just had everything. You had, you know, celebrity guests, you had musical, you had musicians, you had stand-up comedians, you had anybody who was in You had fucking what's-her-name from the San Diego Zoo who would come and, and bring animals and they'd, you know, get all weird around Johnny Carson and he would just play it off so well. Uh also, again, like many other driven, successful people, notorious asshole. But when he was on on that stage, he connected with his audience. People loved it. They watched him. He he gave Joan Rivers the boost of all boosts uh, in her career. She credited him so often. Uh, so many different comedians that you know Sam Kinison on that show all the damn time. People loved him. Johnny loved Sam Kinnison. Uh, anybody who was, everybody who was anybody was on Johnny, on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And when he left, and you can say what you will about whether you like Leno or, you know, I don't, who is it even now? I don't even know who it is. Now. Hey, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Jimmy Fallon. Like, it's not the same. Like, it's just not the same. And Johnny, Johnny Carson was special. I, I am a, uh very serious fan of the art of stand-up comedy i i i really really enjoy not just yeah we all enjoy the jokes but i enjoy the the kind of the science behind that medium and we have a stand-up comedian of five of us shout out to asap um but you know again being a child of the late 80s learning that going on this tonight show with carson and if he allowed you to sit on the couch or not could literally make your career or kill your career is a level of power that I don't think is seen in any medium on television anymore. That is a scary level of power. There was a documentary, shout out to um, the, the Vice does Dark Side on the Ring where they do Dark Side of Comedy. And I was watching the one on Freddie Prince and talking about how, you know, this 20 year old Hispanic kid from New York went one day sat on the couch and then three months later he's a millionaire 
just because Johnny invited him to sit on the damn couch. And it's wild to think that that's the level of power that one person, one show had. But that goes to show you how important that show was and how powerful Johnny Carson was at that time. So that that's my only real thing to note of of from that show, besides the fact that, yeah, it's probably the preeminent talk show, I would argue. He went on in 62, so I I didn't even think about it. Um, and I understand that, you know, his first true decade was the 70s, right? So I, I that's, a I guess, more of a, you know, choice error on my end. So, but I, I enjoy... Yeah, I enjoy the pick quite fully. You can still buddy. put it in comedy. Nah. You're muted, buddy. Nah. I I did that because I was working on something I got for you. But Carson took over in 62. There was a time period between Jack Parr for like five, six months, March to October, where they had guest hosts. Then Carson took over. A big thing is in 1949, NBC hired a gentleman for their music department called Doc Severinsen. And by 19, in 1962, he took over as the first trumpeter on the Tonight Show Band. And by 67, he was leading the band. He's a guy who's so unbelievably essential, just as Ed McMahon oh, yeah. in that run. Um, but the reason why it makes the list on the 70s for me, Aesop, is this here and foremost. By 75 and 76, this show was making NBC 50 to $60 million a year, which is equivalent to over a quarter billion dollars a year right now. That's when they became significant. That's when the show became significant because it wasn't anything leading up into the late 60s. Carson had to really get people to turn on and come in. He had to convince people that he was the one with all the great guests. But by the mid-70s, they were killing people. And probably the biggest decision that he made that had a lot to do with that was the accessibility of moving to California because the show used to be filmed in New York and then they moved it to Burbank. And when he moved it to Burbank as his permanent home and it was close to L.A., he could he he had accessibility to guests in a way that while New York, there's nothing against New York. If you were Uh, obviously, but if you were a comic and you got called over to the couch, right? Big thing. Like you guys mentioned before that. And I mean, like iconic fucking intro, right? You talked about it. Here you go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. From Hollywood, The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. This is Ed McMahon, along with Doc Severson and the NBC Orchestra, inviting you to join Johnny and his guests, Buddy Hackett, John Lithgow, and another segment of Moron Movies. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Johnny. There you go. And then he, yep, and he comes out through those curtains, that iconic spotlight. And he you was, said Jack, and I say Kevin Eubanks, damn it. He oh, was, shut up. Johnny Carson, <laughs> one of the things about him that was great was his insistence on no retakes, no reshoots, one, one take, nope. just we're going to do it, we're going to get it right. And that's the way it goes. And, and, you know, that was that was something that was kind of fading out during that time frame. But, yeah, it's um, I mean, talk about iconic. Yeah. And 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 with respect, Kevin Eubanks was the man and Doc, whatever his name, homie. But nobody touches the roots. And I I get we may not like Fallon, but the roots may be the greatest one of the greatest bands ever. So I'm sorry. Biased. It is a bias. It is is a preference. I think it's also a different era. So, um. Doc Severinsen was the right guy 
to to be the one to play in Johnny Carson. So, all right, folks, that's going to do it for week one of That 70s Project Television Edition. This, uh, this was variety and miscellaneous just sort of every anything and everything that we would want to put maybe on a different list but wasn't going to quite make it or just stuff that we were really passionate about like we didn't have a sports category so there was no way monday night football or the wide world of sports is going to make it unless and game shows like we we had tons of game shows variety shows it was a great run of list guys well well done next week we are covering dramas that's right dramas from the 70s and Hey, honestly, Dave, that's where you could have broken your your three soap opera rule if you'd wanted to there, because I mean, <laughs> pretty dramatic shit. Um, it's funny though when you brought up soap operas. I actually went to look up a soap opera to see if it aired in the seventies, and it was sad that it hadn't. Um, so, no dark shadows for you. Dark oh, shadows. Wow, there shadows. You go. Yeah. Dark shadows. Yeah. Wow. Late, that was in the seventies. Late sixties. They were in the seventies. I mean, the great. Uh, Wow. soap of all times days and it wasn't peaking in the 70s so it'll so be so everybody get ready for that next week we getting dramatic on the bandwagon more so than we usually do all right we're gonna head out of here but before we do let's tell everybody where they can find us on the chair shot radio network and uh, out there in the socials we will go in reverse order and kick it off with the violent gentleman asop yeah, you can find me on uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Look, you look up Aesop Mitchell on uh, you know two of those. Otherwise, you can go to Instagram and type in Cream City Traveler. You can also listen to Down the Wire uh, every week on Fridays. Uh, I think it's uploaded later on, later on on the Chairshot.com, but you can definitely listen to it and uh, you know talk professional sports in unprofessional ways. Thanks, David Ungar. Just remember to send your hate tweets to at it's me DPP. Uh, he appreciates that. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. You can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A G G. Facebook dot com forward slash Attitude of Aggression. Mister Saturday Night PC Tony. Yeah, follow me at PC Tony. Chairshot Radio Network, all of your favorite streaming platforms. All you have to do when you get there is go to the search bar, put in Chairshot Radio Network. You can hear all of these fine gentlemen and all of the shows we have right there for your listening pleasure. Put that shit in your earballs. The Reverend Raymond S. Cashington, Esquire, the 45th. If you were to take your way down to www.twitter.com, if you would type in the search bar at it's Ray Cash. That's R-E-Y as in Mysterio. C-A-S-H as in dollars. You might find some shit you like. So for the record, Dark Shadows ran from 1966 to technically 1971, but it does not follow the majority 70s rule. Ergo, it did not make my cut. You can catch me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You should also give a follow to Bandwagon Nerds at Bandwagon Nerds on the Twitter. You should also give a follow to at Follow the Fucking Rules Tunny. And finally, yeah, I know. I, just, I, I don't know what happened there. It's a new, it's a new handle. New handle. Locking my Pat's, dark shadow. Pat's up. burner account. You know how many Twitter feeds I, I already have? I got to go another one. 
Yeah, you got to add another one. You can catch me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. You can catch me on Mondays with these Yahoo's talking 70s stuff for the next four weeks. You can catch me on Tuesday talking hockey with Dave. Hockey Talk, we voted on All-Stars for this uh, coming episode. Very, very fun stuff. And you can catch me on Wednesdays talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on the Greg DeMarco Show. But for tonight, today... That's going to do it for Bandwagon Nerds, the pro- the 70s Project Week 1. Hope you all enjoyed it. We will catch you next week. Now get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun. Catch some Carson reruns on Peacock. Worth the time to watch. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network. Here on the ChairShot.com. My next guest is a most imaginative and talented gentleman who created the famous puppets who will be featured in a TV special at 8 o'clock tomorrow night called The Muppet Show. Would you welcome, please, Jim Henson. Hello, Jim. Uh, Excuse nice my to left meet hand. you. Hello. He's got to go on the best dress list, you know that. Oh, yeah, you like yeah. my, my dreads. Oh, I love yeah. my dreads. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's Dr. Teeth, huh? How are yeah, you, Doctor? I'm good. Oh, yeah. Good to see you. Nice to see you. <laughs> you feel Made so... the big time, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> Boy. In the big room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How would you describe your music? What, what is that? Is that rock or jazz? Oh, that's or... uh, it's, uh, like catastrophe music. <laughs> it's a towering inferno with bongo drums. You know? yeah. Yeah. Do, uh, do you get a lot of chicks now? That, you know, most rock stars have the groupies uh, now yeah, that you're a big you star. Know, Does that being to... a puppet, it's uh, sort of different. You know? <laughs> Head of my fan club is Nangora Sweater. <laughs> Comes out of Dubuque, Iowa, you know. She's really fuzzy, though, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dig that fuzz. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, did, where did you get your name? Uh, the Dr. Teeth. What uh, my gold tooth there. Oh, I see, right in the front. See, there, yeah. Got three gold records melted down in Melted them down and stuck them in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who's going to be on the special tomorrow night with, with Dr. Teeth? Well, let's see. Shall I answer that? Sure. I just... uh, sure, go ahead. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter to me, man. Yeah. I'm kind of into magic, and tonight I'd like to try something a little bit different. I've been working out in different clubs. I need to volunteer from the audience. Just anybody who wants to come up would be fine. Uh, you, sir. There you are. What's your name? John Aldris. John Aldris. Now, have you ever been on TV before? A uh, ball game once, a long yeah, shot. So, <laughs> so uh, do you live out here or what? No, I'm from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. From Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah. That's real interesting, I think. So that's, uh, that's good. What time do you go to work in the morning? Oh, around 8.30. You like to have your watch when you go to work? <laughs> I work for the Ralston Purina Company. Ralston Purina, huh? Mm -hmm. And uh, what time do you work eight hours a day? Well, I travel a lot. I work what time right. do you get off? Well, I quit about four. Or three. <laughs> well, maybe your watch would like to have. <laughs> you have kids. How'd you do that? Yeah, I have a couple of kids. Uh, I have uh, uh, three children. Two three boys children. And you girl. carry pictures of them in your wallet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, you have credit cards? You carry a checkbook or what? Huh? Well, I have credit cards. I have a checkbook. Maybe too. they're in your wallet, ladies oh. and gentlemen. What do you think about that? That's good. And, uh, listen, when you're getting dressed in the morning, uh, what do you do? You uh, put on your pants yeah, or something like that? I put on my pants. What do you hold them up with, maybe? Well, uh, I usually... A belt, maybe? <laughs> But what happens if you don't have a belt? What do you wear then? Well, I wear a suspenders. Suspenders, baby! <laughs> so you, you put on your shoes, yeah. and then put on, what do you put on next, baby? Well, I put on my socks yeah. and some underwear. Well, underwear? <laughs> put on another pair of suspenders, maybe, too? And what about some other underwear, maybe, that you wear? How long you had that mustache? About three years. About three years? What do you think about that? <laughs> so you get dressed and then you put this shirt on? And... <laughs> hey, and what about this shoe? <laughs> What's so special?
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.